Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, making our way through Ephesians. And in this passage, Paul tells us what our goal is as Grace Church. It's what every church's goal should be, and so we're a church, so this is what our goal is to be as Grace Church, and not only what our goal should be, but also how, or what each one of us can do to help us attain and accomplish that goal. That's what's happening in this passage. Now, why is it so important for us to understand uh, what our goal should be as a church? Well, think, think about it like this. Think of how hard it would be if you were part of a military platoon. We've got lots of military folks here. Think about if you were part of a military platoon, part of an army platoon. You'd been well-trained, You'd been deployed to the front lines. You want to serve. You believe in your cause. You're ready to serve. And, and no one's telling you what your mission is. No one's telling you what, what your objective is. Think of how discouraging that would be. You don't know why you're there. You don't know what you're supposed to be doing. You don't know what the point is. Think of how frustrating that would be. Now, the good news is that's not what God has done with the church. He's telling us in this passage and many other passages what our goal is. Here's the objective. And he tells us what each of us can do in order to accomplish that goal, that objective. So look at what he says, what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, 13 through 16. Now I'm going to start with verse 11. We covered verses 11 and 12 last week, but I want to start with those verses because this is a long sentence, one of Paul's long Ephesians sentences, and I'm going to start there so we get the whole flow of what's happening in this passage. So verse 11, and he, speaking of Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The saints, who are the saints? Everyone is trusting Jesus. Okay? To equip the saints, that's all of us, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until, here's the goal, three of them, we all attain to, first, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, second, to mature manhood, third, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Okay, verses 11 and 12, Paul says, Jesus has given leaders to the church. Remember, the job of the leaders is to equip all of us for the work of ministry, which is building up the body of Christ. So who does the ministry? We all do, right? It's not just the ministers, but we all do the ministry. And the ministry is building up the body of Christ. And there's two parts to that we saw last week. There's leading people to faith in Jesus, evangelism. 
And then they're strengthening faith in people. That's a bit encouragement, leading people to faith and strengthening people in faith. That's the two parts of building up the body of Christ. So we're all called to build up the body of Christ. And in verse 13, Paul tells us what the goal of this is. What is our goal in building up the body of Christ? Let's read verse 13 again. Here's the goal. Paul describes it three different ways. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. That's the first one. Secondly, to mature manhood. Thirdly, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So first, Paul wants Grace Church to attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Think about unity of faith. Let's start with that one. Every person in this room, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, even if you're like an atheist, we all have faith in something which we believe, which we trust will satisfy us. Every human being right this moment is trusting something to satisfy them. And when you have a group of people come together who are all trusting the same thing to satisfy them, they are united together. Think, say for example, a group of people who, who have faith that kite surfing is what's going to satisfy them. Anybody been kite surfing here? So a few months ago, Jan and I drove up to Kite Beach on a windy day to watch the kite surfers. Looks like it was a lot of fun, okay? So imagine the group of people who are all have faith in kite surfing is going to satisfy them. Think of how united, how unified they would be. They would be talking about kite surfing. They would be reading kite surfing magazine. They'd be checking out the latest kite surfing equipment. When the wind came up, they would go kite surfing. They'd be talking about the joys of kite surfing with other people, united together by what they're having faith in to satisfy them, kite surfing. Now, kite surfing looked like it was a lot of fun when we saw it, okay? But, but as, as fun as it might be, kite surfing will not satisfy us. In fact, the only joy we sang about this this morning the only joy that will satisfy us fully now in this life and forever is the joy of knowing God in the person of Jesus Christ. And the church is to be a people who all have faith in Christ as our all-satisfying treasure. And think of how united a group of people would be who are all trusting Jesus Christ as their joy, as their delight. They would talk together about Jesus. They would study together about Jesus. Look at this. Look at this. Look at what he promises to do for us. They would strengthen each other in trusting Jesus. They would seek Jesus together. They would talk to other people and encourage them to come in and experience the joy of knowing Jesus. And that's what Paul says is, is part of this first goal, the unity of faith. We're all united together in trusting Jesus Christ as our all-satisfying treasure. But we only would be united in faith in Jesus if we all believe the same things about Jesus. That's why Paul says unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, the knowledge of Jesus. And that's not as easy to do as you might think because people have very different ideas about who Jesus is, right? Some people think Jesus is mostly like a therapist, that mainly what he does, they think, is to help us cope with difficulties of life. Now, Jesus does do that. 
But that is not the main thing that Jesus does. Other people think Jesus mainly, mostly, is, is a deliverer, that he, he will deliver us from like unemployment or from sickness or from difficulties we face. And it's true, Jesus can deliver us, but that's not the main thing that Jesus does. Other people might think that Jesus mostly is liberator, that he frees, liberates people from oppressive social structures that, that they're in, and Jesus can do that, but that's not the main thing Jesus does. And so if you think that Jesus is doing some of those other things, there won't be the unity Paul's talking about here because none of those things are the main thing that Jesus does. The main thing Jesus does isn't to be therapist or deliverer or liberator. The main thing Jesus does is to be savior. Savior. Jesus came from heaven to earth to die on the cross to pay for the sins of all those who would trust him because our biggest problem is sin's guilt which makes us face hell forever and God in astonishing mercy sent his own son, punished our sins in his own son and Jesus came to forgive us for our sins so we could be reconciled to God and have the joy of knowing him, trusting him and worshiping him forever. And what Paul wants us as Grace Church to then be is united in our knowledge of the Son of God. He is our Savior. He saves us so he can reconcile us to God, so we have the joy of knowing him. That's the main thing he came to do. We're, we're united in our knowledge, so we are united in our faith together. Unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's the first goal Paul gives us. Second goal. Paul wants Grace Church to attain to mature manhood. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Bible describes uh, brand new believers as babies, as infants, and then as growing up to be children, and then growing up to be mature. So there's this process. So just like babies start off immature and grow to maturity, so believers in Jesus Christ start off in some levels of immaturity, and then grow to maturity. And Paul wants us to be growing to maturity. Now, how do we grow? Well, just, just like babies grow. So babies grow to maturity by drinking milk and then growing up to eating solid foods, right? That strengthens them, they grow. We, as believers, grow to maturity by drinking the, the milk of the word and, and enjoying learning, studying the meat of the word and getting strong in the word. So that's one way we grow to maturity. Babies grow to maturity by talking to their parents and we grow to maturity by talking to our father, God the father. We pray, we talk to him. How's it been this week talking to the father? We, we worship him, we confess our sins, we thank him for his amazing goodness to us. We pray for ourselves, deliver us from the evil one, keep us from sin. We pray for our loved ones. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for this city and this country. So we grow by talking to our father. Babies grow to maturity by interacting with others, right? Talking to their friends. And, and we grow by interacting with our brothers and sisters, so we share God's word together. We pray for each other. We love and encourage each other. We, we interact together until we grow to maturity through fellowshipping with our brothers and sisters. And then babies grow to maturity by running and playing 
and exercising. This makes their bodies develop and helps them grow strong. And we, as believers, we grow to maturity by not so much running and playing, but by obeying God's word, taking steps of obedience, by holding on to our faith through trials. I'm sure some of you are going through painful trials right now and you're trusting the Lord. And as you do that, you're getting stronger. Your faith is getting stronger. We, we grow in, in our strength by obeying Christ and sharing the gospel with lost people. That strengthens you, that builds you up. So this is Paul's second goal. He wants us to attain maturity, spiritual maturity. So we've got unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. That's the first one. And then he wants us to grow to spiritual maturity, mature manhood. That's the second one. And then third, Paul wants Grace Church, us, to attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is not an easy phrase to understand. Now, here's what helped me. I looked up the word fullness to see how Paul uses that in other parts of the same letter. And I found a very helpful passage in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Look at what Paul says, and notice he uses the same word fullness there. Paul writes, Ephesians 1, 22 to 23, And he, God the Father, put all things under his Jesus, feet, and gave him, Jesus Christ, as head over all things to the church. What a gift. He's given Jesus to us, to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So the church is the fullness of Christ which means we are here in Abu Dhabi to display the fullness of Christ. Everywhere we go, to display the fullness of Christ in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, here to the city, to display the fullness of Christ. And Paul says our goal should be to attain to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So Paul's got this picture that of Christ's stature, like Christ's height. So think, so what's Jesus' stature? What, what, what kind of stature are we displaying to people? Like, like a two-foot-tall Jesus? Six-foot-tall Jesus? No, Jesus' stature is like massive, right? And so Paul wants us to attain to the place where we are displaying the full measure of the stature of Jesus' fullness. That as we are in our neighborhoods, as people see us with caring for our wives and loving our children and, and serving the neighbors there, that Jesus' power and beauty and majesty and glory are displayed. The fullness of Christ is displayed through Grace Church in our, in our neighborhoods and then in our workplaces with, oh, with all the difficulties that take place with workplaces here. You, you know, and yet Jesus is my treasure Jesus is the rock. Jesus is in control. We're patient. We're loving. We're forgiving. We're working. We're strong. S displaying the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in our workplaces. Reaching out to people who don't know Christ and sharing the good news with them. And then to the city, just showing the, the power of Christ, showing the love of Christ, showing the beauty of Christ. Jesus wants Grace Church, each of us, neighborhoods, workplaces, the city to be displaying the full stature of Christ. So this is, this is the goal, the first goal, unity. 
of faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Second goal, to be attaining spiritual maturity. And then the third goal, that we would be displaying not, 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 a, not a two-foot stature, six-foot, but just the beautiful, massive stature of Jesus Christ. As we're, as we're praying for sick people, uh, maybe at a park or in the workplace, or as we're, as we're caring for the poor here, or as we're having coffee with someone and telling them what Jesus has done in our lives, or as we're weathering the storm of job uncertainty, we're displaying the full stature of Christ. This is the goal that Paul has for the church. Now, in verse 14 then, Paul says there's something that can get in the way of that goal from happening. Look at what he says. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So notice the idea of waves and and wind. So Here's the picture Paul has. It's like we are all in, in, our, in our own little boats, and we as a church, we're, we're in our boats, and we're, we're heading across the ocean to a, a beautiful land, the land of the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, the land of spiritual maturity, the land of displaying the full beauty of Christ to everybody around us, neighborhoods, workplaces, to the city. That's, that's this land. That's the goal. That's where we're, we're all in our little boats, and we're headed across. That's the picture that Paul has. But Paul says that, that one way that can be obstructed is with massive waves and howling winds of false teaching. That's what he's talking about here. He's talking about doctrine, but he's not talking about true doctrine. This is doctrine that's taught by human cunning, by craftiness, and by deceitful schemes. So what can obstruct us, we're all of our little boats, Grace Church, we're heading to these, these goals. What can obstruct us is waves, wind, a false teaching. Let me give you some examples just to get concrete here. Imagine that someone here, part of Grace Church, reads a, a blog post written supposedly by a Christian who says, you know, Jesus was a very important religious leader and we want to honor him and follow him. But, you know, there's, there's many other important religious leaders as well, and we should be listening to them also. Because basically all religions are teaching the same thing, and we're all for unity here. And somebody here, part of Grace Church, could read a blog post like that, and that, that false teaching, which it is, could be like a massive wave. Remember the movie Perfect Storm? Remember that, that massive wave? It's like a massive wave totally like destroying that boat, so it's just obliterated. That's what we're talking about here. Another example. Imagine someone hears teaching on TV that it's, it's never God's will that his people experience trials. That God only gives people good things, comfortable things, happy things. And so if you are having trials, that would show then that you haven't been forgiven for your sins. You're still under God's wrath. And that's a problem. That's false teaching. But imagine someone hears that teaching. I mean, that that could be so discouraging to someone who's going through a trial, right? I thought I was forgiven. I thought God loved me. This this person's telling me I'm not. It could be so discouraging that it just like blows their boat totally off to a different direction. Blows them out of fellowship entirely. Another example. 
Imagine someone else reads a book saying that Jesus is coming back on the 15th of August this year. Got it all figured out? Actually, I just, Jan just showed me a website this morning. Somebody's talking up some numerologist right now. It's going on, okay? So this is current. So 15th of August, 2018 this year, and, and you have to be in Jerusalem or you're going to miss it. Well, I mean, think about how that false teaching could totally distract this person. Send them into a frenzy of you know, planning for their trip to Jerusalem and trying to get everybody else to, we got to go to Jerusalem. You don't, I mean, think about what that, that could do. And these things happen, right? These things happen. So can you see how false teaching can destroy our church, any church, from moving ahead to the goals that God has for us? Our, our goal is to be moving ahead to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Our goal is to move ahead as a church towards spiritual maturity, all of us. Our goal is to display the full measure of the stature of Christ's fullness, beauty, glory, wherever we go. That's the goal. But false teaching can destroy us in pursuing that goal. So here's one person now talking about how we need to listen to all these other religious leaders too. Well, that destroys the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, right? Somebody else is so discouraged by their trials, thinking that means that God doesn't love them, that they just stop coming. Their boat just is gone, right? Somebody else is packing up, ready to leave for Jerusalem, trying to get everybody else on board with this. I mean, so the, the point is false teaching is real. False teaching is dangerous. False teaching can destroy the, the goals that God wants us as a church and every church to have. So the next question is, how can we as a church be protected from false teaching? And Paul tells us here, verses 15 and 16, look at what he says. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So how is the church protected from false teaching? It's by us speaking the truth in love to each other. That's how. Now, when Paul talks about speaking the truth in love, he's not talking about pulling somebody aside and telling them that their, that their socks aren't matching this morning. Or t taking them aside and saying, you know, you got a little bit of spinach like right here. You know, just get... Okay, he's not talking about that kind of speaking the truth in love. What Paul's talking about here is speaking the truth of Jesus Christ in love to each other. He's talking about the truth of Jesus, for example, that he himself said, John 14, verse 6. Bold statement. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. This isn't us saying that. This is our Jesus who says that. Jesus says that. So he's not one of many religious leaders. He is the only Son of God. He is the only one who has existed from eternity past and then came, born of the Virgin Mary, went to the cross. He's the only one who has paid for the sins of all who would trust him. He's the only one through whom we can be forgiven and brought to the Father. 
Everyone in the world needs to trust Jesus Christ. This is what he said. This is the truth. This is the kind of truth that we need to be speaking in love to each other. Paul here is also talking about the truth that Jesus promised that all of his followers would have trials. Remember John 16, 33. Here Jesus is talking to his disciples who he loves, who are saved, and he gives them a promise. In the world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So the trials that come don't show that I haven't overcome them. I have overcome them. I'm in complete control of them. And I do allow some to come your way in order to draw you even more close to me, in order to display my glory even more through you. I mean, every trial, as painful as it be, it's a gift from me of more of me to you. That's what he says. In the world, you will have tribulation. So no, it's not true that God only brings us happy, comfortable, nice things. Read Job, the story of Job. Read Paul's life. We can go on and on. But God, in his love, does allow trials to come our way. And then as we're in those trials, he will meet us. He will comfort us. He will sustain us. He will strengthen us. He, he draws even nearer to us as we're going through those trials. He's, he's nurturing us along as we're going through. He's not left you. He's closer to you than ever as you're going through those trials. That's the kind of truth we need to be speaking to each other. One more example, Mark 13, 32. The truth where Jesus said, no one knows when I'm going to come back. Remember, Jesus taught very clearly. He's going to come back at the end of history, bring everything to a close. And Jesus said, no one knows when I'm going to come back. Not the angels, not even me, only the Father. Now, if only the Father knows, that means none of us know. Are we clear? Okay? None of us know. And Jesus said nothing about make sure you're in Jerusalem, okay, for what you don't know is going to happen or when it's going to happen. He never said that. Okay, so that's the kind of truth we need to be speaking to each other. It's the truth of Jesus Christ as taught in God's word. This is what we're speaking to each other. The truth of Jesus Christ. Now, now don't miss how surprising this is that Paul says this. Because false teaching, as we see, is a great danger. I mean, we, I'm sure many of you have friends. I have a friend from decades ago who who got swept up thinking that polygamy was biblical in the New Testament time. And it just took him away. I mean, we're friends on Facebook, but he's, he's lost as far as I can see. Just teaching is re false teaching is real. False teaching, we're all clear that polygamy is not right in the New Testament time, right? Just, okay, we'll talk about that sometime maybe. But anyway, just, okay. But false teaching is real. False teaching is dangerous. And so who's going to protect the church from this false teaching? What's Paul's answer? We will. Well, what about the pastors? Well, we have a role because our job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So we teach God's word. Every pastor, Grace Church, we're teaching, preaching God's word to equip you to then to, to speak the truth of Jesus to each other, right? So I hope that after this message today, you're more equipped to speak the truth of God's word to each other. But so understand, in this passage, the main defense God has raised up against false teaching isn't the pastors. We equip you to be the main defense against false teaching. Do you see that? You, 
me, us, together as we speak the truth of God's word to each other. Now, to, to, to see that, I want, I want to read verses 14 through 16 again and notice how this is about all of us, not just the leaders, all of us are doing this. Start with verse 14 again. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. There's the danger of false teaching. Rather, speaking the truth in love. Who's speaking the truth in love? We all are. Rather, by speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by Every joint, how many of the joints? All the joints. Every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, how many parts? Each part is working properly, makes the body grow. Overcomes that false teaching of verse 14. Makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So God calls us to be the main defense against false teaching. The pastors and teachers equip you to do that, but you, we, the body of Christ, we are to do that. So I'm praying that right now the Holy Spirit is just giving a sense of, whoa, this is on me. By your grace alone, but yes, by your grace, this is on me, this is on you. Do you feel that? You have a vital role in protecting Grace Church from false teaching. You do. Now, let me give you some examples about how this might work. Oh, by the way, I wanted to mention, this doesn't mean that we just wait until somebody's already struggling with false teaching and then step in and, and help them. I mean, we, we do that, but see, we're always speaking the truth of Jesus to each other because that's like it's like an inoculation. Like, okay, so like you don't you don't get the measles shot after you've got measles. I don't have my, is that right, doctors? Okay, okay. you got the measles shot before you get measles because it inoculates you against measles. And so we speak the truth of love to each other because that inoculates us against false teaching. So it's preventative medicine that we're doing here. Now, if somebody's in trouble, if somebody's sinking away from false teaching, we bring in the, uh, the ER guys and the paramedics and the stretchers, okay, and, and all, all that stuff, but preventative medicine starts. So here's how some preventative medicine works. Fathers. You're driving with your family out to the desert for a picnic. And maybe on the way, you might just share with your kids. Here's, here's a scripture I read this week, and, and, and I was questioning about this or discouraged about this, and, and I read this scripture about Jesus, and look at who Jesus is. Look at what he does. Isn't that encouraging? See, you've just spoken the truth in love to your kids on the way to the desert. Or husbands... So you and your wife, you've gotten the kids down, and now you're sitting on the, on the couch together. Husbands, you could, you could share with your wife a promise from God's word that you heard from maybe some online preacher or whatever, just some scripture just to, to bless her, to strengthen her, to encourage her, to inoculate her. Wives, you can inoculate your husbands too, okay? So you share scriptures with, with them. Maybe you'll text a, a verse to your husband. You know he's got a tough meeting at three o'clock today, so you text him this verse at two o'clock. Here's a promise from God's word. Speaking the truth in love. This is preventative medicine. See how that works? And then as a body, we're doing this. So in our home groups, for example, a major part of each home group is we come together and we find out what heart burdens 
are we experiencing? Things that are discouraging us, that are tempting us, that are drawing us away. What, what heart burdens? And then we open up God's word and we share promises from God's word with each other. And that sharing of promises is letting the word of Christ richly dwell within us. We're speaking the truth in love to each other. We're inoculating each other. See how that works? I love what's happening in our home groups as we strengthen each other to trust God through the burdens we, we deal with. And as, as you get together with other believers, like for, for a meal, maybe believers part of your home group, maybe part of a different home group or not in a home group, but just having a meal together. And just as part of the conversation, you can just share truth about Jesus, who he is, what scripture's been encouraging, just as part of the natural conversation. And oh, the, the strength comes, encouragement comes, your soul is fed as well as your body during that meal. That's how it works. I also thought about children's ministry, right? I mean, what, what are the children's ministry leaders doing this morning? They're speaking the truth in love to our kids, telling our kids about Jesus, who he is, what he's done. That preventative medicine, inoculation, strengthening our kids to know who Jesus is and to trust him and to love him. Now, that's all preventative medicine, but again, if, if somebody you know is struggling with some area of false teaching, don't think, well, they'll get that worked out between them and God, or Hope the pastor knows and does something about it, okay? You know about it. We're, we're happy to help in any way we can, but you know, step in and humbly, gently, but boldly and decisively help them. Open up the scriptures. Show them, but, but, but didn't Jesus say this? Or doesn't, doesn't the Bible say this? What, what does that say? Read it. What is that saying to you? I love you. I care about you. I don't want to judge you, but... I don't think what you're believing is what the Bible teaches. And so we humbly and gently go to them and, and seek to help them if, if they're struggling with false teaching. That's what it means to speak the truth in love to each other. Now, when we start to think about that, it should dawn on you, this, we're talking about something that's going to take some time and some effort. And it will. And false teaching is real and it is dangerous and the frontline defense against false teaching is the body of Christ speaking the truth and love to each other. That's not something we can do just casually or haphazardly. That takes study, study of God's word, right? That takes investing time in relationships, time together, talking together. This will take time and effort. So here's the last question I want to raise. Is this worth the time and effort. It will cost you. This will take time and effort. Is it worth it? <laughs> and just think about it. We can devote our time and effort to a lot of different things. We can devote time and effort to our career. I mean, that, that's important. Okay, we can devote time and effort to, you know, exercise, to being healthy, to, um, you know, vacations, entertainment, all kinds of different things. So why invest time and effort in speaking the truth and love to each other. Think about it like this. It's because this week, speaking the truth and love to someone could keep their boat from being capsized by a wave of false doctrine or blown off course by the wind of false doctrine. Your speaking the truth and love this week could keep that brother or that sister from being capsized or blown off course. Is that worth your time and effort? It's because speaking the truth and love to someone this week 
will help us as a church grow in unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, grow in spiritual maturity, and grow in, in displaying the full measure of the stature of Christ's fullness. To have Jesus displayed more in Abu Dhabi, is that worth your time and effort, speaking the truth in love? To put it slightly differently, you speaking the truth in love to someone this week will cause the church to display even more of Jesus' glory. Jesus' glory will be displayed more now and forever and ever and ever. And Jesus' glory displayed through the church is totally worth your time and your effort. So Grace Church, I want to call you to this. This is serious and this is God's plan. We have nothing to fear. Let's just trust him and obey and speak the truth and love to each other. Now, one more word, and that is to those of you here this morning who aren't yet trusting Jesus. What I want to highlight for you just for a moment is that Jesus Christ is not mostly therapist or deliverer or liberator. Jesus Christ came to seek and to save the lost. He's the Savior. And I hope that from this passage you've seen the love of Christ for his people for his church, and his arms are open wide to you. If you will put your trust in Jesus Christ, trust him as your savior, if you'll trust him to forgive you for your sins, if you'll trust him to change your heart, trust him to satisfy your heart in himself, you come as you are, forgive me, change me, satisfy me, he will be running towards you with everything that you need. Trust Jesus Christ, and the moment you do, you will be completely forgiven before God for every sin, past and present and future. You'll be reconciled, restored in relationship to God. God is your father. He is your joy. He will be your all-satisfying treasure forever. He will change your heart. He will do everything you need. So my plea to you is see Jesus as your savior and turn and trust him and then get into a boat and let's head across the ocean fighting off false teaching to that happy land of unity and maturity and displaying Christ's fullness. Let's stand together. Father, I pray that you would take this passage of scripture now. I pray that I've been faithful in, in communicating it. Would you take it and apply it to each of our hearts, Lord, with what we need to hear this morning? I do pray, Lord, that you would strengthen us as Grace Church in speaking the truth in love to each other. I praise you for how much that's already been happening. Thank you. And Lord, we ask for more. We don't want to be naive. We don't want to be gullible. We want to be aware of the danger of false teaching, the costs that false teaching can bring. And we want to be committed to what you've called us to do, speaking the truth and love to each other. So Lord, strengthen us, I pray, so that we would be growing in unity, maturity, and displaying the full measure of the stature of your beauty and glory and fullness wherever we go. That's our longing as Grace Church. Help us to do that. And Lord, anybody here who's not yet trusting Christ right now, bring your power upon them, Lord, I pray. 
Let them see and feel more deeply how true you are in Jesus Christ, that they would turn and trust you now and be saved. I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name.